0: Hello and welcome to season two of Comics Books, the podcast where your host Lucy Dancer, that's me, talks to my favourite comedians and comic writers about the books they love. Today's guest is an award-winning comedian, rapper and writer who has been seen and heard on Channel 4, BBC Radio 4 and BBC 6 Music. He's also gained millions of viral video views worldwide and puts out music under the name Jester Jacobs. Most recently, he's been seen on Harry Hill's Club Night and his own BBC Radio Four show, Hip Hop's Laughing Stock. It's the wonderful Joe Jacobs. Welcome.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me. I won't bore your listeners with the animal I just discovered, but
0: no, I'm... let's talk about the animal because <laughs> we should probably start strong.
1: <laughs> I couldn't just leave it at that. Actually, sorry. I, I yeah no. <laughs> Basically, I just I was looking for a wire to plug into my uh, headphones to speak to, you and I just found a small bat
0: and are you certain
1: it's a bat well no because i was in i was going to be late for this so i only had time to look at it very briefly think to myself i think that's a bat then find the wire and i'm going to come back to it but it, it is on my mind i'm in the countryside at the moment and i've seen a few very strange animals around here
0: okay well if there's like a, any if, a if you're maybug, not sure a maybug
1: what's a maybug google it it's literally the most terrifying insect that's ever been okay. Imagined the thing is insane, and it's um, yeah, it sounds like. Oh yeah, I think oh, it's, it's got a
0: cute face though. Oh, yeah, got colloquial... a cute face.
1: But imagine that! Imagine that flying at you.
0: The Maybug's actually its colloquial name, according to Wikipedia. uh It's called a cockchafer.
1: That's right, the cockchafer.
0: <laughs> the cockchafer, otherwise known colloquially as the Maybug or the doodlebug,
1: harmless. No, but. Yeah, but they're very irritating and they're they're intimidating as well.
0: It says they're noisy.
1: They're really noisy, and I, I've I've encountered them a couple of times. And the first time, um, it was just it was on the floor writhing around, and I looked at it, and on, on the underside of it, it had like dozens of little babies attached to it. It was like something out of a horror film. And then it kicked up the wings and was flying around. You don't seem to be too worried about it, but it well, was I'm, I'm nowhere near big... it, so
0: I, I'm in this. I'm in London. I don't feel like yeah. I'm going to come across any any maybug cockchafers.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's got that big stinger at the end, which doesn't do anything. But anyway, the old cockchafer.
0: Haven't we got murder murder hornets coming? You should probably be more worried about those.
1: Yeah, not into the hornets. I like that guy that stings himself on his YouTube channel, though. You ever see that? <laughs> no. Who is that? No, I haven't. No. Uh, what's his name? What, it's Wild Wilderness or something. He's really famous now. Wild, Wilderness <laughs> Stinger guy. He, 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 he went through the sting index and got himself stung by every insect on the sting index. Brave Wilderness, it's called. His name is uh, Coyote Peterson. Really nice guy and gets stung by the most painful insects on the planet.
0: What country is he For our
1: entertainment. Australia. Of course. The guy filming him goes, are you okay? (laughs) No, he's not okay. He's not okay.
0: (laughs) Right, so before we started uh, recording, you said obviously we should be very intellectual because we're talking about books, and I said we didn't need to be, but we should probably step it up from a man stinging himself on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) When do you remember first getting into reading? Because you're obviously a really big reader.
1: Kind of like reading books properly. I got into it quite late, but I always had a fascination with books and I always wanted to be a writer from a really young age. And I used to try and write books and stories when I was a kid, you know, maybe from the age of twelve, I was trying to write short stories. And I usually I I would give up after a few sentences actually. But I (laughs) I like the idea of Yeah, I'd like the idea of having a book out. You know, like a title and a, a big story. right? And a, and I couldn't, I couldn't imagine how it would be to write a book. Like, how, what, what's involved in writing one? It was fascinating to me.
0: Do you remember what the first book you read was?
1: I don't know about the first book I read, but the first one I definitely remember leaving a mark on me was at school, and it was called "The Turbulent Term of Tyke Tyler." You know that book?
0: I do not know it, Tommy.
1: Basically, all I remember of it is it's about a very, very troubled, rebellious, naughty kid. Mm-hmm. So I identified with that. And I remember we read it in school together as a class. And all I remember of it is it had a mad twist at the end. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, but the twist is you read it thinking Tyler is a boy, mm. assuming Tyler's a boy because he's so naughty and he does all this stuff. But then in the final pages someone says like Tyler come over here you naughty girl or something and you're like <gasps> wow
0: what's a girl she...
1: Tyler's a chick crazy and I remember that to this day because I was like wow that's so that's crazy it's crazy that they did that what a powerful trick you know and it's um I guess gender stereotypes I were not really on my radar as a little eight-year-old or whoever, yeah. but it's kind of cool right that
0: No, that's great. So they they made a kid without having to really think about it realize that you'd assumed the whole time that you were reading about a boy, particularly like you were a boy. So I guess, oh, I I also am. I could be a bit like this naughty boy, maybe.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it and it was it was a girl all the time. I thought that was kind of cool, and it has stuck with me. Like that, you can. I'm trying so hard not to swear on your. You can uh, swear. I don't want to swear.
0: It's fine. Swear away.
1: Because I'm I'm a sweary (laughs) band, but I feel like you know, (laughs) talking about books. We're talking about books. We've got to show respect and be very linguistic. Utilise my vocabulary. Don't say fuck.
0: It's fine. You can like books and have a filthy mouth as well. I think you know they're not mutually
1: exclusive. I, I I certainly do. But yeah, it was crazy. Like I'm a kid thinking, yeah, I can identify with this boy. Yeah, this guy's just like me. It's like, oh, wow, holy shit, it's a girl. That's crazy. And that blew my little mind. And it just shows you the power of, you know, literature and writing and what you can achieve. You can really paint worlds and confuse people and uh, pull tricks on people. It's great. I, th- I never forgot that.
0: Are you more, do you go more towards sort of fiction or nonfiction?
1: What it is with me is, I I like nonfiction because I like to feel like I'm going to learn something by the end of it, or yeah, I'm learning things that I can remember, retain for the real world. But I love fiction. The problem is, I find it really hard to remain engaged with fiction when I'm living in a crazy mm-hmm. dystopian nightmare.
0: You know, I got in um I got in an Uber the other day, uh, and I was coming home from a writing class. And he'd asked me where I'd been. And we started talking about books. And he told me he did read, but he exclusively read nonfiction. And we were just, he read like quite heavy nonfiction, a lot of philosophy and stuff. And um, I asked, had he ever read a fiction book? And he said he'd just read something by Elif Shafak. And he'd loved it. He said it was beautiful. It was great. And I said, oh, so you, you do like fiction? And he went, no, it was beautiful. I was very engaged. But in the end, I just had to stop reading it because it was just beautiful, nothing just had no point. What's the point of fiction?
1: Mm. Downbeat Uber quite, driver you got there.
0: Quite aggressive reaction, but I thought it was weird because yeah. to me, I think that a lot of fiction can tell the true story of someone or or tell truth better than nonfiction can because people are hiding it yeah. and they're saying more real truths than they could maybe safely feel they could say under their own name as a piece of nonfiction.
1: Yeah, I think you're bang on the money there. Good fiction really does that, but it's hard to know where to look for it. I think I don't like taking punts on fiction books. I don't really know where to start with non-fiction. I'm going in there trying to find info on a specific mm. topic, so I kind of know the gist of what I'm after. But with fiction, you don't really know.
0: So when you choose non-fiction, you seem to have quite like a vast array of things you like to that you're interested in.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love I love looking into weird non-fiction, all kinds of stuff.
0: Oh yeah, didn't you
1: say you uh love terrible biographies? I love terrible biographies. I've gone I have stopped reading so many of them, but there was a period <laughs> of time a few years ago where I would source them. I'd go to charity shops and buy just the worst imaginable biographies, like from the most boring people. Because I just kind of found them still inspiring. Like I remember buying the Dale <laughs> Winton autobiography. And for Dale, like, you know, the pinnacle, the climax of the book. Was him getting the job on Supermarket Sweep, you know? For a lot of people, that might be a footnote in their glittering career in showbiz. But for Dale, that's like that's it. I've made it, and that's kind of quite interesting. That you see him go through the ups and downs and get into there. It's quite. I don't know. There's something about. I'm interested in people's journeys from beginning to how they end up, how they are. I really like that, and I don't think just because you you know I like the Steve Jobs autobiography. But I still get something out of reading about Jodie Marsh too. Mm. So actually, <laughs>
0: you said they were the worst, like you were downplaying it. But you're genuinely interested in
1: everyone. Yeah, because story. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I like people. Mm. I like people. Yeah, and people surprise you. I like to know about where they came from, what it was like for people growing up. I mean, who doesn't want to know what it was like for Dale Winton growing up? I do. <laughs> You know, I want to know, and I think I gave you I gave you a biography out of my choices, didn't I? I think I, I, I believe I did. Uh,
0: oh yeah, actually, we'll talk about that one. You gave me the Chris Farley show.
1: The Chris Farley show. Now that is a great biography. Chris Farley is a he's a comedy performer. Um, he was on SNL, Saturday Night Live, and he sort of came up with Adam Sandler and David Spade that kind of era. And he was a really, really amazingly gifted comic actor and he always played the roles of kind of like the funny fat guy but he was incredibly athletic and he was able to do crazy stuff when he was performing Mm. and he had he had one big film which was tommy boy and you could see how talented he was from watching that film like that was a really good successful film and then some of his other roles were not as good following that and sadly he passed away because he had a lot of addiction problems so he's one of those people that you know that he has incredible charisma, like kind of like a James Gandolfini, larger than life kind of dude that you think would never die. He's always going to be around. And it's, and it's uh, shared by all of his colleagues as well, because this book is written by his brother and someone else. And because Chris isn't around to tell his own story, other people tell it for him. And they talk about him from the beginning, what it was like in school, his family situation, what it was like when he was getting bigger in comedy, when he was at the peak of his success. But it also tells you about some of the bad stuff, some of the, you know, poor choices, the the drugs, the drink, and that kind of stuff, and how it ended. And... It's probably, I think it's the only book that made me cry. I think it must've been emotional at the time when I was reading it, but it's just so tragic because he was so loved by all of his peers. And he just did not think that was enough. There was something missing in this guy that made him kind of on a path to destruction, even though the talent was so clear and everybody saw it. You know, people said he was the funniest guy they'd ever seen. All, all the biggest comedians would say that. Norm Macdonald, Adam Sandler. And he's, uh, yeah, and the book really paints a picture. Yeah, I think I think it's good for that. Like I'm not too into SNL, I know the history of it, but I never watch it. But I just the thing with Farley is he was he made such an impact and he didn't actually do anything he didn't do too much that I'm aware of, really. Like I watched his films, I've seen him in interviews, and that was enough for me to love the guy and really see the genius that he possessed. But I never really watched him on SNL, now, but this book really filled in a lot of the blanks for me about him. And it's very, very concise and not too long. And it's all kind of written from the perspective of people that knew him. So it's very good.
0: I think one of the things that has been so interesting on this podcast is obviously I'm I'm interviewing exclusively comedians and comedy writers. So not everyone has a comedy centric book, but a lot of people have chosen biographies and autobiographies. Uh, and hmm. and it's mostly very complicated comedians. So it'll be so. You've got Chris Farley. We had <laughs> Richard Pryor. You know, we, we have the yeah. we have the comedians that are sort of geniuses, but but have these these dark stories behind them. I don't know when uh, is that.
1: I think but... I think lots of comics are just dark in general. But that while that is true, I'm really looking forward to the Jerry Seinfeld book that's coming out in October. <laughs> yeah. That looks that looks amazing, like he doesn't mess around with what he puts out, and that's like looks like a real concise mm. backlog of all this stuff with and he's someone that just seems completely on the level <laughs> and absolutely fine and I love him for that. he's really straight edge
0: yeah, it's the thing he said that he always he always kept a little mark of when he worked on his comedy every day and he never wanted to break the line right so that's right yeah, 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 yeah. So psycho. Yeah, I wish I could do that. I keep I started a little notebook and I said, you know, every day I'll write. And then the minute I had that empty square, I thought, oh, I'm just just not Jerry.
1: Uh, It's hard to be Jerry. Jerry. (laughs) (laughs)
0: The only book that seemed quite different to everything else that you brought up was uh, always outnumbered, always outgunned by Walter Mosley. Yeah. When did you read that? What is? How did that get in there?
1: i tell you how that got in there. So I think it must have been years ago. I would have been real young. I think I might have been about 13, 14 mm. when I discovered this. I think I was renting a movie from Blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie was always outnumbered, always outdone. I see the
0: connection here. It
1: had, yeah, yeah. And it had Lawrence Fishburne in it as Socrates Fortlow. Mm-hmm. So the book is about socrates who's a murderer who's been in prison for maybe 30 years and he comes out and he lives in watts in la and he he's trying to rebuild his life despite being very haunted by his past crimes and fundamentally kind of a pretty troubled dude and it's all about him trying to do the right thing and be philosophical and weigh up the morals of a situation in in the in the environment where there's a lot of uh despair and criminality and he's trying to be a better dude. And and I'm like a, you know, I'm a white middle class guy and it really gave me an amazing insight into a whole world that I'd never really considered Mm. up till that point. The movie isn't amazing. The book is far superior and there's the trilogy of them, which I ended up reading all of them. But what the movie did do really well was uh, showcase Lawrence Fishburne's amazing actor, but kind of it compelled me enough to look into Walter Mosley's books and following Socrates around in, in print. And uh, the book itself, I think I've read that it's really popular with convicts okay, because it's kind of short and sweet. And like as a protagonist, it's quite an unusual choice because he's a murderer. He's back on the streets. He doesn't think like normal people, but it's also really powerful as well. Like he's a good person, despite what he's done. It puts you in a bit of a, Weird headspace because you really do root for him and you really sympathise with him a lot.
0: So, when you said before that you chose a, a non-fiction book by a female author, I'm assuming it's Everyday Sexism by Laura Bates.
1: Yeah, 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 love that.
0: Which I have not read. Love so I've read the website with the which is how it started, right?
1: Yeah, love Everyday Sexism. I've read Laura Bates's other stuff. I'm reading her new one at the moment, Men Who Hate Women.
0: Yes that looks absolutely terrifying
1: yeah it's pretty good but everyday sexism I think is outstanding I think it should be put in schools. actually I think it's a really really game-changing amazing book yeah it's was, it was everything I wanted from non-fiction it was informative I learned a lot from it the thing I really like about everyday sexism particularly is I was reading it at the beginning thinking to myself, oh, I don't do any of this stuff. I'm great. Mm. I'm such a good guy. And then, oh, no, I do do that. Yeah, no, I have done that. Yeah, okay, right. I can see that that's a problem. So it was kind of a bit of food for thought.
0: Is it, so on the website, it was more people sh- sort of tweeting everyday sexism, you know, oh, today I, this happened to me sort of thing. Yeah. Is the book that or is it? Is it more sort of statistics or?
1: It's not, yeah, it's it's statistics, accounts from people, but it really breaks down kind of all areas mm-hmm. where this kind of overwhelms someone and eventually becomes an issue. And I guess that's, I think, I read it quite a while ago and it helped me write a lot of material on the subject. That helped me have a lot of empathy on the subject and a bit more of an understanding because I didn't think I was, you know, I'm not a crazy uh, what's it, uh incel or anything, but, um, you know, there's things you need to look out for and be aware of. And I think what it helped build a picture of is that women kind of get it from an early age and it's a bombardment and it's basically overwhelming. And there's so many sort of micro aggressions or little asides and phrases said. And yeah, it's like, so there's so much daily that they're dealing with. They have to sort of write off most of it and just say, oh, not today. All right. Just accept that they might... Have a few stares and weird things are gonna be said, they're gonna get creepy messages now and again. Yeah. They're gonna get wolf whistled, they're gonna get um puffed on blah blah blah. And then and then it kinda of took me reading this book to think, actually that's that's fucked up. They shouldn't have to every day. Yeah. <laughs> like we should try and be aware, call it out, try and explain to other guys maybe to just go easy, look on look at your own behaviour a bit more. Mm. It's very, very interesting. It kind of shook, shook me up a bit.
0: I feel like that's happening a bit with all the protests recently because I started reading White Supremacy. And, and it wasn't that I, I was unaware of racism before, but mm. I think it was a similar thing that the microaggressions that you think, oh, well, you know, everyone gets something like that. You could probably shake that off. But when you're reading about these things and when you realise how sort of deep they're embedded into everyday life, to, the, to yeah. the degree that, I mean, I just read Queenie as well, which obviously is fiction, but, but did a very similar thing, that you realize how often you might hear someone saying that's essentially racist in front of you. And you can shake it off because you think, "Ah, oh, it's not a big deal. But to the person that has heard that already three times today, it's yeah, exhausting yeah. to to have to keep processing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I read it with um, Rennie Edu Lodge. Is that a book?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: That's I, white, uh, I read that not
0: don't, don't talk to white people.
1: Why I'm not talking to white people. <laughs> there you people. go, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Also um brilliant. I re- read that when it came out. And that did a, that did similar things to me, like Laura Bates's book did. And then there's another book I've listed about anti Semitism that I told you about. Yeah, we'll talk about which kinda of does a, it does a similar thing and I wish more people would read books such as them just to kind of just have it laid out for them so they can sort of say, all right, these are, there's work to be done. I'm not perfect. I'm guilty of things. I can see other people guilty of things. We need mm-hmm. to have a bit more empathy, a bit more understanding.
0: So with with this, you read, because you wanted to learn more about something you didn't really know about, whereas with anti-Semitism here and now, you're Jewish, so I assume that had more to do with a personal interest.
1: Well... Yes and no. I, I again, it's. Like I thought I would know a fair bit about it as a Jew, but it's good to have everything written down there. All different accounts, more statistics, more input from other sources. Mm. It just helps you build a picture, and it's really great to have something that maybe you could recommend to someone if they were like, "Oh no, I haven't really researched it too much," because anti-Semitism is quite complicated to grasp. Yeah, and if you know, I if if there's a quick book to get you started then great
0: well that's what I was going to say actually so I always try every podcast to read at least one book that's on someone's list and I hadn't read anything on your list so um I'm
1: so insulted
0: I'm so sorry but I had no no I hadn't I have now obviously since I got your list I read antisemitism here and now um okay for, cool. similar, for similar reasons to you is um so my dad's Jewish so I am you know Jewish by some degree and um, yeah. I was brought up with, I think, sort of the same thing that a lot of Jews are brought up with, that we don't, I think when we're young, we don't see antisemitism as an issue anymore. And our parents mm. and grandparents are much more cautious and sort of lay it on you a lot more, you know, watch out for it. You know, I, I, my dad regularly sends me examples of anti-semitism in the world which isn't a very reassuring thing to receive in your email every day but um <laughs> you know but i think you grow up thinking he's overdoing it you know he's overcautious, and i yeah. think as sort of things are changing and white nationalism is rising i'm sort of noticing anti-semitism a bit more and i've had experiences in my own life that have made me think ah okay mm. it's not everywhere in the same way that racism is but it, it is it is growing in a worrying way again and I guess it never went and I think the book actually I always felt a bit overwhelmed by sort of family's opinions and different friends on different sides yeah. and Israel and Palestine I never knew where to start I just felt bombarded um so when mm-hmm. you recommended it I thought I'll give it a go um I thought this was really accessible for everyone as a as
1: yeah a sort of I think so too. writing yeah, I think so. I, I've read I've read a lot of anti-Semitism books these last few years because I just wanted to be up to date with it all. I've read Barry Weiss's, I've read Dave Rich's about Labour and the left and all mm-hmm. that, and I think that there's it, conversations to be had with people and I, th- I recommend people read it. It's the, A lot of people say they want to educate themselves more, but they don't seem to. This would be a good starting point. But I guess the reason I put it in there is because I think – we're in such a turbulent time in the world, and people—they're trying to better themselves and do a bit of research into really important things. And this one would be—it would be a good shout because I think, like with Laura Bates's book, it makes you rethink things that you might have took for granted about yourself and how you view other people. Little things that might change you down the line—that are positive
0: your final book um uh, so this has been on my list for a while I haven't got to it yet but tell me why it it left such a lasting impression
1: so the book is it's Columbine by Dave Cullen right
0: Uh, Columbine by Dave Cullen yeah
1: I think the writing style is absolutely chilling when you consider what's about to happen what's taken place and I think the guy that wrote it he was a journalist involved in the case from the beginning he had complete access to all the information he was aware of everything the ins and outs of all the case and it basically is a comprehensive study of what went down how it was how it was kind of allowed to go down what happened afterwards all the all the players involved and it very much explains the situations of all the victims the perpetrators and it's yeah it's just like a complete retelling of it but actually what the book makes you realize is it was from the point of view of the guys responsible, it was actually a big abject failure because they were hoping to maybe take out about three thousand people. Yeah, yeah, it's. They, they had they had bombs that didn't go off, and um, yeah, like they didn't really do half, not even half, the damage that they were trying to do. And there were a lot of people who were affected that kind of managed to rebuild their lives and become successful in spite of big, big odds after being really seriously hurt. There's interesting stories after the uh after the massacre. I'm trying to not say the wrong things, but it's like I was gonna say after the incident, I'm like that a bit more of an incident. Yeah, a bit more. But there was like a there was a girl who um in the library she was kind of said, Do you believe in God? and she goes, Yes, and then apparently was shot straight after and she became like a martyr for the church and there was big tours about her and books and and then it was revealed by someone else who was in the library that that exchange never actually took place oh and that God. put that person yeah. in a really really difficult situation like what do i say what do i do so all these sorts of stories and then from a psychological perspective the the way that eric harris and dylan Klebold are, uh, explored like eric basically was a psychopath. Like a complete psychopath, and Dylan was a sort of depressive who was a bit suicidal, and it kind of shows how two personalities like that can work off each other mm. to a kind of really terrifying conclusion.
0: God. Well, we have ended the book discussion on an extremely negative note, but don't worry because you're <laughs> going to tell me about your idea for a book.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing a book. Yeah. I've been writing it for years. Uh, but my friend said it's a terrible idea. It's basically like a how you know how to book. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Like a how not to about becoming a rapper. Okay, so I'm a great rapper. So like What's... I talk about yeah, I talk about kind of all the ways in which I've I've misfired and failed over the years, and how to avoid making my mistakes. So like you know, music videos, producers, PR, mm-hmm. live shows, day jobs, all these areas I cover and explore my experiences and how I would do it differently or what I would recommend doing.
0: Give me a little sneak peek. What would would you you recommend not doing?
1: I would recommend not being a rapper. Uh, Right. That's what I would recommend. No, but like things like, I haven't, I was writing it heavily in lockdown. I've just given up for the moment, but um, things like I never understood as a young rapper trying to blow up in the rap game, how, anyone would really want to be on the production side of things, you know, because it's like, they get none of the limelight. Hmm. They're always in the shadows. They provide the music. They provide such an integral part of the hip hop song, but yet they're kind of never the face of it. They're never known. And then it took me about 10 years of grafting in music. When I was in front of a camera doing another music video that I wanted to not do i was dying inside and then i realized like the producers can just move on to a new fresh young artist and keep keep in the shadows keep their career going and then i was like oh yeah i get it now actually Mm. being a producer is quite a good job so little things like that little nuggets like that i realize i talk about mental health in hip-hop sexism in hip-hop i talk about like skunk cannabis consumption and drug use that's quite interesting. I talk about all this stuff at length. You know what? And hopefully it might come up.
0: I would read that. Mm. I don't want to be a rapper, so it's fine. Before you go, I would like uh, you to recommend an independent bookstore for our listeners.
1: The independent bookstore I would like to recommend is Gosh, Gosh Comics.
0: Gosh, where is that?
1: It's now, um, I think it's on Berwick Street in Soho, but it used to be next to the... It moved location. It's now in Trendy Soho, but it used to be in just off Tottenham Court Road by the British Museum. Okay. And it's, and it's a really good comics shop, but it's a really good place to go for last-minute gifts of all mm. kinds because they've got all kinds of books there. And it's good to have a little look. I'm not, like, too much of a comic book guy, but Well, I was like going to say, because you didn't, you didn't
0: mention any comics or graphic novels, but is that something you're into?
1: Yeah, but I, yeah, I, li- I like comics a lot, but I'm into – weird independent ones and weird right. indie stuff. Like I don't mm. like Marvel. I'm not into mm-hmm. superheroes. I've never seen an X-Men film. I don't I don't care about superheroes. I think it's lame. I don't understand why everyone loves them. <laughs> okay. I think it's very boring. Uh, is it just me? Every Marvel film, I just couldn't give a shit.
0: I don't really... But, no, I don't think I'm very into them. I think they're fun. But no, I don't quite get the sort of Marvel universe thing.
1: No. Who cares? <laughs> a, lo- care. a lot of people. A lot of people do care. It's weird. Yeah, but yeah, that's just that's just by the by. But um, and also, sorry, just on this. Oh, that sorry. I, that, I get that they care, but like if they read it in a comic book, why the need for a film? You know, it's one thing to read it in a comic book, but then like the film as well. Surely, just anyway, it's not for me. Not for me. But I you <laughs> like, um... got some
0: strong feelings on this. We should have really
1: tackled. Yeah, this just... Just... Yeah, like I don't know. they just. I don't get. I just. I find it. Why do people like it so much? It's a guy in with a superpower, like Superman. Who cares? I just, anyway. So the thing I like, I like independent, weird comics. So I like stuff by Johnny Ryan, who's just like a scumbag. He writes like the most infantile comics about like ridiculous things. So immature. And that's my sort of level. And I like my favorite ever... <laughs> My favourite ever books are uh, Peep Show by Joe Matt, who's like this cartoonist who does autobiographical uh, stories about himself and his life, and his life is so boring. And his books are <laughs> about how he, he edits his own porn movies on VHS. Oh, my God. And he, he's scared of his housemate, so he pisses in a jar. That, that's what the book is about. Okay. But it's beautifully illustrated, okay. so it's like quite compelling.
0: Okay. I like stuff I'm like Googling. that. I'll have a look.
1: I did read one superhero book that I liked, uh, The Authority, and it was about like a sort of modern superhero. One of them was gay, which I thought was quite good. They're like a gay couple. Okay. Which I thought was quite funny. Stuff like that. Yeah, so I'd recommend Gosh Comics. I think it used to be owned by Jonathan Ross. I don't know if it still is.
0: I think I've I've been to it in Soho, actually. I I like kind of big graphic novels, so like big, big, fat Mm. autobiographical ones.
1: It's a really good place like – if you want to get a kid a present, mm. like a kid that's sort of starting to read or interested in books a little bit, go to GOSH and there'll be like amazing, illustrated, beautiful books about all kinds of stuff that will blow a kid's head off. They'll love it.
0: Thank you so much, Joe, for talking to me today about books. People can see your, no, listen to your BBC Radio 4 show, Hip Hop's Laughing Stock. Is that going offline or does it stay online now?
1: I hope it's online for the foreseeable, but yeah. Great, we'll
0: put a link to it then in Check the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm on YouTube too. Yes. Jester Jacobs. Jester Jacobs. My website is jojacobs.website.
0: Great. You don't need to write that down, guys. We're going to put it in the show notes. So uh, thank you so much. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your week uh, reading or, you know, whatever you want to do.
1: Thank you. You and too. good luck with the bat. Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot thank
0: this. you so much for listening to this episode of Comics Books. Hopefully you've had a chuckle, learned something new, and most importantly, added some reads to your list. You can find full listings of all the books we talked about today in the show notes. If you enjoyed the podcast, it'll help us out massively if you could leave us a review on your listening platform. And finally, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Comics books Pod.